You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. Are you glad to be alive today? Yeah. Are you glad to be at church today? Very, very cool. Me too. Um, Super honored just to get to share with you this morning. Uh, Thanks for coming to church. Uh, If you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for joining us. Church family, can we make our first-time guests feel welcome? Thank you so much for being a part of today. I believe that uh, you're at the right place at the right time, as are the rest of us. Um, I wanted to share something today uh, that that the Lord put on my heart. I, I shared a message last week it was called What You Say Matters. And we talked about the power of words and the, the, the consequences that are attached to the things that we say. And, and we dove into this and I shared a stat last week that said that on average, or the average person says between 7,000 and 20,000 words per day, which means that we talk a lot is what that means. Uh, some of us more than others we discovered. Today I wanna share a message that is entitled What You Listen To Matters. Last week we talked about what you say matters. This week we're gonna talk about what you listen to matters. And I realized as I was preparing for this, I might've put the cart before the horse and maybe I should have taught this first, but uh, hopefully uh, in your time, you can, you can put them in the appropriate order for you that makes the most sense that you get the most out of them. But uh, I wanna share on what you listen to matters, uh, the things that, that come out of your mouth, uh, uh, what, you, what you speak, it will produce fruit but that comes from listening to something. So James chapter one, verse 19, uh, it says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I have, I've heard it said that you have two ears and one mouth, which means that you should listen twice as much as you talk. And for some of us, we just need to let that sit and marinate for a little bit. Uh, let that get down on us a little. Uh, I, was list- I, was, I was reading and, and found a few stats as I was studying for this message, and I wanna read some of them to you as it pertains to listening. Uh, research suggests that the average person hears between 20,000 and 30,000 words during a course of 24 hours. That's a lot of words to listen to. People spend between 70 and 80% of their day engaged in some form of communication and about 55% of your time daily is devoted to listening. But most people only remember about 17 to 25% of what they listen to. And that number drops considerably now since football season started. So give us grace, amen. Uh, Listening to nagging or complaining for 30 minutes or more can cause damage to the part of your brain that handles problem-solving skills. Like these are actual things that, that are, are said to be true. And even though we initially listen with our ears, uh, we have a strong tendency to listen uh, through our internal thoughts, the things that we're thinking. And in most cases, our internal thoughts are initiated by, yes, the words that we hear, but also they're initiated by previous life experiences. And so before you know it, you can be swayed one way or the other in your ability to hear based on what your experiences have been in the past. And then you'll make some decisions based on what you believe is to be true, be it good or be it bad. And so we're always listening. There's always something going on in us. I read this scripture last week. 
Actually, before I read that scripture, this one last stat I wanna share is, is quite something, and you've probably heard this before, but according to the National Science Foundation, an average person has about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Of those, 80% are negative thoughts, and 95% of all of your thoughts are recurring thoughts, which to me means that there's an attack on your life in what you hear, and there's an attack on your life in what you think. And so we're gonna dive into to this. Luke chapter six, verse 45, I, I, I quoted this last week, but it bears repeating. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart produces, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth, or his mouth speaks. So listening connects to your thinking, your thinking connects to your heart, and your heart pictured as the well that you draw all of your words out of. So whatever you're hearing, whatever you're listening, whatever you're putting in is going to be the thing that you draw from and give away to everyone else. Sometimes that is a frightening thought. Because I'm like, I don't know the last time that I put something of real value into my heart through what I listened to and what I internally thought on. We have to pay very close attention to this. And so what you listen to every single day, it actually really, really matters. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna dive into the fun of this. Father, I pray uh, for all of us in this room today. I pray for, for me that you would give me grace uh, and there would be grace on my words that I would uh, just speak what you would desire for me to speak. I pray that you would give us all uh, ears to hear what you're saying, that you would uh, enlighten us and you would give us just a, a, a deeper level of revelation uh, and, and, and individually impart something to us that would be the things and the filters that we utilize in our own lives to, uh, to, to determine what things that we hear that we actually choose to think on so that when we speak them out, they're actually something that someone else could lay hold of and they produce fruit in not only our lives but the lives of those around us. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I thank you for your help. And I thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you remember a time in your life when you were unwise? <laughs> if you're like me, you're like, yeah, that was yesterday. I could think back to that real simply. Thank God for his mercy, right? Thank God for his grace. I was preparing for this message and I just thought you should know, like, even though I'm a pastor, uh, I live in a very, very, imperfect way in a lot of times. And I was remembering my, my story uh, of growing up in the church of heathen. And I don't know if there's anybody else that, that got that uh, membership and thank God he revoked that membership for me. But uh, I lived in a way for so long that I just was living in the way that I was taught. And I was reminded of this, this story as I was preparing for this message and thinking about uh, what happens when you listen to something that you shouldn't be listening to. I had this one friend. You ever had that one friend? You got all the friends, but then there's this, that one, and he's just kind of over there by himself all the time. I had this one, and he, he was like the perfect car salesman at the age of 13, 14, 15. He was always whining and dining and swindling and using words, and he was just one of those kind of guys that would just talk you into the, the dumbest things. And he was my friend, <laughs> and we hung out every single day together. I remember this one story in particular, and... I didn't, I didn't lie to my, to my parents very often, especially after this happened. Uh, 
Uh, but there was this one night where we were gonna go stay the night with a friend of ours that we knew really well. My mom knew him really well. We had uh, once upon a time lived, each other, lived next door to each other. And this one friend is like, hey, there's also a party on the other side of town. And we're 15. And he's like, let's do this. Let's, and he's saying let's, meaning you, but let's tell your mom we're gonna stay the night at his house, and we will eventually, but let's go to this party first. And let's, let's, let's just have, have, have this night alone. So we're like, okay, here's, here's our plan. How are we gonna get to my house? And he's like, well, let's borrow so-and-so's mom's car. I'm 15 years old. Yes, this is your pastor speaking. So here I am driving a standard vehicle that belongs to a friend's mom and we drive across town to my house. I tiptoe into my house. I walk into my mom and, and my stepdad's room. And I'm like, mom, I'm gonna stay the night at Jazzy's house. Is that okay? Yeah, call me when you get there. I'm like, okay, perfect. The problem is I forgot that one vital piece of information. Call me when you get there. And I didn't do that one thing. So we leave my house and we go to the party and uh, I, I hit a car on the way there. That was a whole nother thing. Um, anyways. Everything's fine, right? You're 15, you have no cares. You're going to, to a party. We didn't do anything bad other than drive someone else's mom's car and all those things. Anyways, but all of a sudden, my mom comes drifting around the corner of the street like those old school cop movies where they're like just roasting out a Crown Victoria around the corner, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my mom. Well, what happened is I didn't call to check in and say I made it to Jesse's house. So she went to Jesse's house looking for me. No one answered the door because it's 4 a.m. And so she just beat on the door until someone opened. And so Jesse has to sell us out, tells my mom where she's at. I didn't even realize that my mom could make this type of sounds that she made. When your mom gets out of the car in her PJs and no makeup at 4 a.m., there are a lot of sounds that you think just belong to one realm, but you don't think that they embody your mom. Well, let me tell you that sometimes they do. So I knew instantly, I'm like, do not get in the front seat because you better not put yourself in arm reach of this woman. So I got right in the back seat, I closed the door, and then the barrage of things that she said, they may haunt me forever, but I didn't lie again. We get home, she starts ripping cords out of the walls, TVs off the walls, no phone. I was grounded on my 16th birthday. You only have one of those. And I was like, mom, really? And she's like, it doesn't matter, I don't care. But she said it in one of those voices that you're like, I'm not even saying another word or even breathing another breath in your presence because I might die. What you listen to and who you listen to really matters. And when you have that one friend, just pay attention to the things that he says and make sure you don't jump straight in to what he says. There's also the times when you hear something, you listen to something uh, that produces something good in your life. And I remember Stacy and I had been dating for four years at this time and this wise person asked me the question, do you love Stacy? I said, of course I love Stacy. Like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give you some advice. You better pop the question soon because you're running out of time. I was like, oh, dang, that sounds, that sounds pretty important. So I popped the question to Stacy. Thank God I listened to someone. She said yes, and next week we celebrate 15 years of marriage, which is fantastic. So there's both sides of the thing where you have to pay attention to uh, what people are saying because what you listen to 
It really matters. Uh, I'm gonna share three things today, three thoughts today that I believe we need to consider when thinking about what we are listening to. Three things that we need to consider when we think about what we're, we're listening to. The first thing is this, you need to think through this. You were made for good. You were made to do good things. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. It says, I'm reading now the Amplified. It says, for, his, for we are his workmanship, his own master work, a work of art, created in Christ, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set, so that we would walk in them, living in the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. God says some incredibly beautiful things and powerful things about us in this set of scriptures. He calls us a work of art. And I would take this a little further, that, that we're considered priceless to the artist. That, that speaks to me of originality. You need to understand that you're not a carbon copy of someone else. That you're not a, a reproduction, you're not a, a, a knockoff version of someone else on the earth. No, you are original in your purest form. You are the most original to the design that God had intended for your specific life. There are nuances about you that maybe you wish weren't there and you need to stop arguing with God about them and let yourself walk in the originality that he created you in because you have purpose and you have power and the scripture says that it is for you to do good, amen? He says that if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have been transformed and renewed. Now this word transformed is, is so good. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old things have passed away and all things have become new. You are new in order to be used by Jesus to produce the good things that he has set before you in your life. I feel like someone needs to know this and hear this as I was preparing. I feel like the Lord just kind of, kind of told me this. I'm gonna read this to you. But someone needs to hear, and if maybe you don't hear anything else that I say today, understand this. You were made to do good, and you can do good. There's someone in the room that you've been, you've been talked out of the goodness that God has placed in you, and you quit believing that anything good would be produced in your life. The truth is, is that in and of yourselves, you can't produce anything good in your life, but God can through you. This is my message to you, stop thriving to fix the things in your own power and start trusting and leaning into God and good things will come from your life. You're placing far too much pressure and weight on yourself to fix something that you did wrong. Let go and just let God do it. That was a freebie. Uh, if, if that fits, fits you, take it, make it yours. Uh, but we're all made for good. We've all made for good. I feel like I need to make this known as well. Uh, just because you were made for good doesn't mean that you will do good. Just because God has prearranged some things in your life for you to walk in them, it does not mean that you're actually going to choose to walk in them. There is a choice attached to everything that we do. And I propose to you this, I propose that God is in charge, but God is not a God that is in control. You're like, okay, that, that shakes some things up a little bit. Hear, hear me out. I believe that God has a pre, uh, 
I believe that God has a predetermined idea or plan of where he wants you to land. And there are instructions found in your Bible that will help you walk out a life that will get you to the place, this destination that God has prepared for you. But just like Adam and Eve, he put all of these trees in the garden and he said, you can have all of these, but just don't eat of this one. Instructions. But you ultimately have the choice and we understand what their choice was. I'm saying that in your life, God has placed a lot of things around you and he's given you instructions that if you'll just follow these things, if you'll just obey and listen to my word and listen to my voice for your life and operate among, uh, uh, along those lines, the thing that I have prepared for you, you'll walk in. But you get to make a, de- a decision and a choice every single day to walk in them we get to decide if we listen to the instructions or not. I believe this, I believe that once we're aware and made aware and believe the fact that, that good is, is who we are and good things are what we're supposed to be doing, we'll place value on that truth. And the moment that we place value on that truth, uh, we'll start to actively filter what we listen to through the filter of, no, 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 I was actually made for good works. When all of a sudden something comes to your mind or something comes through your hearing and it says, hey, you should do X, Y, or Z. No, 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 I'm made for good works. All of a sudden you start letting this be your filter for all of your decisions. We have to pay attention to what is influencing us. I've heard it said like this, that you attract what you value. That you attract what you value. If I value wisdom, in making wise choices, then I will search those kinds of people out and I will start attracting those kinds of voices into my life, voices that will speak wisdom into my situation. If I value spiritual family, I will one, get involved in it, but then two, I will allow a spiritual family to speak to me the word that confirms the thing that God has said and that is that you were made for good works. We attract what we value. And as it pertains to listening, if I place value and I place joy in my communion with God and all that God has made for me and all the good things, if I place value on those things, then I will start attracting more people around me or more things around me that will prop me up to walk in the joy and in constant communion with God. And I will start repelling the things that keep me up from walking in communion with God. I'll start rejecting gossip. Y'all need to understand that when you start running your mouth, in a very polite term, <laughs> about someone else, you, we learned last week, you bless God with the same mouth that you curse people that were born in his image. And when you do, you're breaking communion with a holy God. Now what I'm not telling you is, is that you're now doomed and gloom is the only thing that you have in your life. No, you just need to make yourself go repent to God by choice and then just start following right back in line with what he said for you to do. You can't take a, 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 you can't take a mesh or a screen water filter, throw it in the dirt, pour water through it and expect no trace of dirt to be in the filtered water that you just, that you just poured through it. And what I'm saying is, if you don't want dirt in your life, don't play in the dirt. If you don't want the things of the kingdom of darkness to influence your life, stop flirting with it. It's really, really simple. 
when I say it. What you listen to actually really matters. Romans chapter two, verse 12. Y'all doing okay? Everybody good? It says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove that what God's will is, his good, perfect, pleasing and perfect will. The process of allowing your mind to be renewed to the truth of God's word, it is the antidote to canceling out the nonsense of the world that so easily tries to come at you with a lie to tell you either who you are or who you're not. We have to have a daily living relationship, personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We have to have a personal relationship with the word of God because the moment that a lie comes, the word has to be the filter that you use that silences the lie because the truth of his word, it supersedes any lie that the enemy could throw at you. The issue is, is that when you don't know it, you start believing the lie and then you start living from that place of, even though this was a lie, it is now my truth. And you're constantly renewing your mind to something. Our friend Steve Backlin uh, from, from Bethel and Reading, he, he came and he shared this and he talked about how we all have truth. We have our truth and we have the truth, which is the word. And sometimes we blend the two. He says that there's actually only one truth, but what happens is we have life experiences that tell us this is true for you in a relationship. That every time that you do this or every time you put yourself out like this, put yourself out there like this, that you should expect, the truth is that you should expect to be violated. And so we renew our minds based on that experience and now it becomes the truth that we project into the lives of other people. But if it doesn't match the truth of the word, it's not the truth. And so we have to pay very close attention to what we actually are listening to. I just realized that that clock is not moving. So I've had 28 minutes and 57 seconds for about 28 minutes and 57 seconds. <laughs> we're gonna finish it out. In Jesus' name, we're gonna finish it out. Bless the Lord. Um, the second thing that I, I want you to consider when it comes to what you're listening to is this. Your feelings don't get the final word. Uh, I fluffed this one up for you because my original point was your feelings don't matter. That didn't fall super pastoral. So uh, your feelings don't get the final word when it comes to what you're listening to. A lot of people are making some egregious decisions, some senseless, immoral decisions in our world today based on what they feel. If I feel like a woman, I should just get to be one. If my child at the age of 12 feels like he doesn't want to be a boy anymore, I can change him over into being a girl. It is evil, and there's really no other argument. I, I hate to be the, well, actually, I kind of like it. <laughs> it's just the truth. We, we constantly filter things with, how does that make you feel? Can I get on a parenting rant for a second? Okay, thank you for the permission. Your child's feelings should not determine whether or not you or your house will uphold the word of God. If, yeah, thanks. They're like, I don't know if I agree, but I'm gonna clap anyways. It's totally fine. I just wanna read some of these things off that I, that I wrote. If you compromise now, 
they will compromise later. If you tell your child to go clean their room and they tell you no, they don't want to, they don't feel like it. First of all, they should not even be standing in the same room anymore. If they were in my house, they would have been against that wall. Uh, anyways, but if they say that and then you, you say, okay, well, will you just go make your bed for me then? What you're actually breeding in your home is a place where disobedience just gets to live and rule and have dominion. And then you interject those kids into society and everybody else gets to deal with them. Y'all wanna know what's wrong with our school district? It is us. I hate to tell us, but it is us. If we would start parenting based on the truth of the word, because the word always works, things would shift dramatically in the school district. Teachers wouldn't be quitting their jobs like crazy because they can't control your kids. They shouldn't have to. You should have controlled them before they even got to school. That is the truth. You have to understand this. God loves your children far more than you do because you haven't given life for them, but he has. Yes, you have sacrificed a ton, especially moms and single moms and single parents. I understand, like I, I was raised in a single family home. I understand the sacrifice that is made, but ultimately God loves your kids way more than you ever could. And either I do or I don't believe that. I don't try Jesus out as my Lord and Savior. <laughs> this is not a trial run. I didn't get a receipt. Like, man, Jesus, actually, like, I don't like the way that this worked out, so can I get all my time and my energy and my hope back that I put in you? That's not what we're doing. And just like you don't try Jesus out as your Lord and Savior, don't try the word out in your parenting to find out if it is or isn't the truth. I hear so many times people say, well, we tried, we tried what the word said and the word just didn't work for our kid. No, the word works when you consistently apply it. Because I promise the word didn't change, you changed, right? And so we have to just make sure that we're paying attention to not being led by our emotions when it comes to our parenting. The way that you feel about something should not determine if you obey the word of the Lord over your life or not. In 2 Chronicles chapter 18, Yep, that's where I wanna go. In 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 18, we're gonna read this in just a moment, but I wanna give you a quick little, uh, just catch you up to where we're at. So King Ahab, he is uh, king of Israel. He is with his son-in-law Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah. And he asked Jehoshaphat, hey, will you go to war with me to reclaim this portion of land that was stolen by the Syrians? And in this transaction, Jehoshaphat's like, yes, I will go with you, but first, uh, can we ask God what he thinks? That's a good person to have in your life, right? Like that's a wise thing to go. He says, I'll go with you, but first let's hear what the word says, what the Lord says. So uh, King Ahab, he gets 400 of his prophets, brings them before him, asks the question, hey, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead? 
And they all respond with, yes, go right ahead. God will give the king victory. Jehoshaphat then asks him, is there not also a prophet of the Lord in this group of 400? In other words, I don't know if I trust all those prophets. Do you have one that hears from God? We should ask him the same question. So 2 Chronicles chapter 18, verse seven, it says this. The king of Israel applied to Jehoshaphat. There is one man who we could consult the Lord for us, but I hate him. He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. His name is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Notice why the king hated this prophet. He hated him. I'm sorry, notice why he didn't want to listen to the prophet. He just, he just hated the prophet. That's why he didn't want to listen to him. So I want to read this transaction because it's kind of comical. And I love when the Bible's funny because it makes me feel better about my life. It says, all the other prophets agreed, yes, they said. Go up to Ramath Gilead and be victorious for the Lord will give the king victory. Meanwhile, the messenger who had went to get Micaiah has said to him, look, all the prophets are promising victory for the king. Be sure that you agree with them and promise success. In other words, hey prophet, I'm gonna tell you what to prophesy. But Micaiah replied, as surely as the Lord lives, I will only say, I will say only what God says. When Micaiah arrived before the king, Ahab asked him, Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead? Or should I hold back? Micaiah replied sarcastically, yes, go up, be victorious, for you will have victory over them. And he just gets in line with the rest of the prophets, basically. But the king replied sharply, how many times must I demand that you speak only the truth to me when you speak for the Lord? So then Micaiah told him, in a vision I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. Didn't I tell you the king of Israel exclaimed to Jehoshaphat, he never prophesies anything but trouble for me. I'm like, bro, you just asked him for the truth. Then Micaiah continues, listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with armies of, the armies of heaven around him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who can entice King Ahab of Israel to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so he can be killed? There were many suggestions. And finally, a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. How will you do this? The Lord asked. And the spirit replied, I will go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You will succeed, said the Lord. Go ahead and do it. So you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of your prophets, for the Lord has pronounced your doom. Watch this. Then Zedekiah, the son of uh, Kenanah, walks up to Micaiah and slapped him across the face. Like, what in the Jerry Springer is going on here? He says, since when did the spirit of the Lord leave me to speak to you? And Micaiah replied, you will find out soon enough when you're trying to hide in some secret room. Verse 25, arrest him, the king of Israel ordered, take him back to Amon, the governor of the city, and to my son Joash. Give them this order from the king, put this man in prison, feed him with nothing but bread and water until I return safely from battle. But Micaiah replied, if you return safely, it will mean that the Lord has not spoken through me. And then he added to all those who were around, everyone mark my words. As the story goes on, the king 
he knows that the army that he's going to fight is going to go after the king specifically. So King Ahab, he disguises himself and he just wears the normal uh, armor that a, a regular soldier would wear. Jehoshaphat, the king of, of Judah, is still wearing his kingly garb and he's on his horse or wherever he's at. And so as the, as the enemy starts pursuing, they start pursuing the one that looks like a king. All of a sudden they realize that it's Jehoshaphat, they turn and as they turn, one person releases an arrow that pierces the armor of King Ahab and later he dies. And here's what I want us to understand. When the Lord speaks, he speaks with your best interest in mind. Your feelings can't rule you. And because Ahab didn't listen to the word of the Lord because he hated the prophet, he hated the messenger. His feelings didn't line up with what was said. He actually died. In verse seven, King Ahab said, he never prophesies anything but trouble for me. In other words, he always prophesies something that I don't feel like doing. You ever go to the Lord and ask him for help and you always get an answer that sounds like something that you actually just don't wanna do? And you're like, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna do that today. That is you letting your feelings dictate and rule your life. That is you listening to what you feel more so than listening to what he is saying. And we see how this worked out for Ahab. You may not like what he has to say and you may not like the messenger that brings the word, but you have to be careful to not cancel his word because of how you feel in your life. When you listen to your emotions, you put yourself in danger of being completely disobedient to the Lord. The third and final thought is this, I'm gonna make this one really simple and quick. When thinking about what you're listening to, remember this, the enemy always wants to devalue you. That's his intention, that's his purpose. He wants to devalue you. I say this often, but it bears repeating in this moment, if the enemy can talk you out of who you are, you'll never be talked into what you can do. If the enemy can talk you out of your purpose and if he can talk you out of your identity, you'll never step into the things that God has destined and designed you to do. I'm not gonna read all of this, but I'm gonna paraphrase. If you look in Luke chapter three and Luke chapter four, you see this, this moment where Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. We all remember this. Uh, he comes out of the water. The voice of the Lord says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Immediately Jesus is sent into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy, right? There was this thing that the enemy kept saying over and over to Jesus. If you are the son of God. Well, if we back up one chapter, God made it really clear, this is my son. Over here, the enemy's like, if you are the son of God, then do this. If you are the son of God, then do this. If you are the son of God, constantly challenging Jesus to see if I can move him off of what God said he is, then I know I, will, I won't have to deal with him when he becomes full grown. I won't have to deal with the harvest that he brings on the earth. I won't have to deal with his disciples. I can stop the mission of God in his life if I can just challenge him on this question, if you are the son of God. And I believe he's doing the same thing over and over and over and over to you. Jesus 
passes those tests, then he comes out of the wilderness and it says that he comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes into Nazareth, begins to teach. He, he reads the, the portion of scripture uh, in, the, in the synagogue that day that is, that is in Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. It says, then he closed the book. He sets back and he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I am the one that you've been waiting for. He's talking to people in his hometown. All of a sudden in the back of the room, it says people are marveling, people's eyes are fixed on Jesus, they're so focused, like this is an incredible thing that Jesus is saying. They're really moved with hope and they're moved with joy. And then all of a sudden from the back of the room, it always comes from the back of the room, not that there's anything wrong with y'all, but all of a sudden there's this, this noise that starts, these words that start piping up. Hey, isn't this just the son of Joseph? In other words, what you think that you're getting in a Messiah, we actually know this man's father, his earthly father, and I hate to say it, but your hopes are getting put in the wrong thing because this guy's gonna disappoint you like the rest of them. There's always gonna be a voice or voices that you will have to decide, am I going to listen or am I not, that are gonna tell you that you are just the natural version of yourself and you're not the one who had the old things pass away and all things become new. You're always gonna be put in these positions where someone is going to try to accuse you of something that God has forgiven you of. And it will be your decision of if you will choose to build your life on an accusation that doesn't line up with the word or if you'll cancel that. In Isaiah 54, it talks about how no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn is what the word says, because this is the heritage of those who follow the Lord. What will you do in moments? And what will you listen to in moments when the word of the adversary comes and tries to cancel out your destiny? Will you let them become your truth? Or will you cancel that out with the truth that is of the word that says you are made for good. You are made for good. You were created for good. I wanna encourage you, don't let your emotions rule you and don't be talked out of who you are because what you listen to really, really matters. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to RenewLifeChurch.com.